Hello, and welcome to the Librarian is in the New York Public Library podcast about entomology, the study of insects, and etymology, the study of words. Uh, sometimes we also talk about books, culture, and what to read next. I'm Crystal. I'm Frank. <laughs> See, now Crystal's taking up the mantle of doing like the crazy introduction, and everyone's like, entomology, why? Because before we went on, we were to, and before our guests, which we have guests today, um, came on, we were talking about bugs. That's why entomology, because someone came up to the desk in the basement room at Jefferson Market and said, you have a centipede here. And that kicked off that conversation. So just FYI, <laughs> let's bring everyone into the conversation. Um, so how are you, Chris? Oh. <laughs> I, I'm doing great. So if people do hear noises here, it's because I am recording in uh, my cubicle and we are doing a lot of packing because we have an office move coming up. So it can get a little noisy on the side. Yeah, I, I, if you might hear an, uh, an ambulance right now. It's New York and we're all New Yorkers. All right. So we also, it's exciting because this is our last podcast of 2022. Still remote from each other. Maybe it'll always be that way. I hope not. But it's nice to sit across from an actual human being and talk to them. But that's not to be yet. Because I would like to be sitting across from our two guests we have today because they're both fabulous. And that's why they better be fabulous for all the listeners. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, we have two librarians from the New York Public Library, Karen Loader and Tabrija Jones. Um, gonna, we're going to let them tell you about them. Why don't we do that, right, Crystal? You can unmute. Yeah, that sounds good. And we um, invited them because they do a virtual book tasting rates uh, program. And that seemed really interesting to us, as well as at various points have worked on the NYPL zine. So whoever Very wants to go involved. first. They, um, the book tasting is like a book recommendation, online book recommendation thing, which was, which happened during the pandemic, right? Like when you were online. Yeah. Um, so they're very much go-getters, do-gooders, fabulosity. <laughs> Always go back to fabulosity. Um, I don't know. I, don't want, I want to keep talking rather than bring the guests in, but I guess we have to. But we wanted to do something special for the last episode, and so we thought, let's less of us and more of them. So who should we talk to first? What should we do? Should we pinpoint someone or just open up the question? Someone can, whoever's more dominant can jump in. Or should we go alphabetical, Karen? I feel like, Frank, you keep wanting to turn this into a fight situation. <laughs> like, who's more dominant? I want passion. You're like, Crystal, you take one, I'll take the No, this is... You take one. You corner to bridge, I'll get Karen. I can no, take it. it's not a fight. <laughs> Whoever feels inclined to answer first, All and then right. maybe we can just, like, switch off with the successive questions. Well, it's a conversation. Well, we always want to ask, then, I'll, we'll put it out there, that how did you... It's always weird because people say, how did you get to New York Public Library? And it doesn't mean like you took the A train. But what was your journey, as you'd like to tell us, to this point in your life right now in the world of libraries? Go. Well, I <laughs> it happened, Crystal. Tabrija, you go. <laughs> I was going to let Karen go first because <laughs> like she wanted to see it. I mean, I've just been rehearsing this for a while. So, I'm so go ahead, Karen. <laughs> Out, you know, but I'm gonna forget it, so it's not gonna come out rehearsed at all. See, so uh, colleagues, okay, Karen. But uh, yeah, so um, I went to school for English. I loved reading. I loved writing. Making money was not in my love of things, but um, you know, when you're getting to the end of your undergrad career, that's when all the bills start coming in. And so I said, oh man, I gotta make some money. And all I know how to do is read and write, uh, do stuff with books. I worked at Barnes and Noble, um, but you know, it, it was fun there, just a different experience. Um, and I don't necessarily like working with money um, and signing people up for memberships was absolutely terrible. Um, so my mom, the very practical person that she was, actually suggested I look into um, getting my Master of Library and Information Science degree. 
Um, and I was like, oh, snap, that sounds perfect. I don't really have to worry about money too much. And I get to work with books and all that stuff. Problem was, I didn't actually really like dealing with people that much. And I really didn't want to work with the public. Um, again, doing like customer service and dealing with people on like a transactional level was just, you know, very stressful. And I'm sure anyone who's worked, um, you know, a minimum wage um, customer service job also in part hates working with the public sometimes. But, um, you know, uh, so yeah. I went to this, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. But, you know, it's a beautiful transformation because, you know, I was a very introverted person, didn't really like um, putting myself out there. I wanted to do digital libraries, you know, click around on my computer and make books accessible. I don't know how to code, though, so that never was going to happen. Um, and the New York Public Library was recruiting at um, my college right when I was finishing up my master's degree. And, you know, I said, not necessarily looking to work in public libraries, but if it's in New York City, then yeah, that's what I would love to do. Um, so yeah, I took the job. I strategically um, requested or said I wanted to work in the Bronx as opposed to Manhattan since I figured it was, you know, a strategic move on my part, which it worked. I got a call, got hired. Um, and yeah, I worked in the Bronx uh, for three years with Tabrisha. Um, shout out to Sedgwick. Um, and then I moved on down to Lower Manhattan, where I am now. And a public loving, people loving uh, person, you know? So, that like, a, so that's your journey <laughs> from hating people to loving them. That's what the library does. <laughs> well, I full disclosure, I did work with Karen when during the shutdown and when Jefferson Market was under construction. So I got to know her very well and not so much to Brisha, but I'm looking forward to it because her lovely laughing face is in a box on the upper right of my computer. And it's a delight, but Karen and I sort of bonded. We read Anna Karenina together. That's when yeah, I talk about Anna Karenina. That's how strong our bond is. Yeah. Karen will always be a romantic figure in my life because of that book, probably. And she recommended other books to me. She actually introduced me to an author, Mishima, who I talked about on this uh, podcast as well. So you're doing good, kid. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> She's like, I didn't need that, but you're doing good. All right, now we got to get to know Tabrija. What's going on, Tabrija? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so my journey is a little bit similar to Karen's, but also a little bit different. So I did major at English literature um, in my undergrad year at Hunter College. And, but I did graduate during um, class of 2009. I graduated during the economic recession. So it was kind of hard to find a job during the time. I originally wanted to work in publishing because like Karen, I loved reading. I loved working with books. It's just the one thing I, no, and like I'm really good at and I so I wanted to work in publishing and at the time it was really hard to find a publishing job I did various internships I did an internship at Rolling Stone um, mm -hmm. Oxford University Press um, at the time it was called just Random House now of course it's called Penguin Random House um, so I just jumped from inter like internship to internship and then like with Karen, a family member suggested to me, oh, why don't you become a librarian? At the time, I didn't even know that you had to have a master's degree to, to be a librarian. I was like, that is absurd. Why would you do that? Um, but as I looked into it, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is my calling. This is perfect for me. So I did apply. I went to uh, Long Island University, CW. Now it's, I think now it's just called Post, um, the Post Campus. And um, and I, as um, as I went to school, I did a part-time job at Barnes & Noble. A different Barnes & Noble than Karen. <laughs> um, uh, the one in Manhattan. And that is a discussion for another day of our experiences <laughs> at Barnes & Noble. But um, after working there for like about two years, I... I, I got a full-time job working at Columbia University Library in their rare book and special collections library because that's what my original 
trajectory for my degree, my library degree was for. It was for um, special collections because I really wanted, I loved artifacts, I loved working with historical books. So I worked there for three years, but I kind of wanted to be a librarian. I felt like after I graduated from library school, I wanted to actually be a librarian. So I saw the, the huge recruitment that NYPL was having and I applied and I'm, I got in. My first branch was, of course, with Cedric, Cedric branch. And I worked there for five years. And then I transferred to the my current branch, which is the Pelham Park Wave NS branch. And I was physically in the branch, I want to say, for five months. And then, of course, the world went to kibbutz. And I was virtual for most of the time. And then I'm still here <laughs> um, um back in person and um i celebrated my seventh year anniversary in september so yeah that is my journey yeah so I, okay. you, I don't know if y'all can see me i'm in a box right now because it's so noisy for the box over my head um, i was gonna ask tabrisha um if you had a similar journey of uh hating people and then learning to love them like karen crystal you're trying to get me into trouble with hr <laughs> oh dear <laughs> i do i do want to talk up um because frank you know karen yeah. i know tabrisha just from a lot of work we've done together we worked right. on um, best books for teens together and tabrisha is somebody who like reads tons and tons of books is super knowledgeable about books um, and I thought she was such a great fit for this podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to wrap the people thing up, if I can, I always say, and I say it to the public too, it's like the best and the worst thing about the job is people or the most difficult and most joyful. Let's say that not that be- it's not best and worst because when you serve people, it's, it's so satisfying as you guys know, I know you're both nodding. But it's also stressful and challenging because you're trying to figure out what someone needs or you're trying to give somebody what they need. And if you, I mean, I think the core of it really, if I could spin it positively, which I think it is, is that we sometimes feel like we might be failing people sometimes, not really connecting with them, you know, and that's what we want to do. At least, you know, that's what I want to do. And it's tough, Um, but it's the only game in town as far as I'm concerned. And I think you both came to that finale of your journey telling that this is where you were meant to be. I did want to ask, because it seems like, Crystal, you know Tabrija a little bit, and I know Karen a little bit, but Tabrija, like, I started in the Bronx um, 20 years ago, and I loved it. Um, I just, it's a different borough in New York City, and it's like sometimes the boroughs can be almost different cities unto themselves. Like, I just want to ask you, like, how are you... Are you from the Bronx? Yes. Uh, I'm born and raised. I'm a native Bronxite. But that's sort of fabulous, I think, because I I love the idea of people working in the communities or a community in which they know well or have an investment in. I mean, you certainly can travel and find your people. I always say that, but like uh, that sort of homegrown thing, I think is sort of great. Even though there are so many different neighborhoods in the Bronx that are different from each other yeah definitely because i'm in a different i work in a different neighborhood like compared to where i live and you and also working in sedgwick which is in a completely different neighborhood compared to pellet parkway van ness you see the needs and what is needed and what is lacking and i think it was really important, not only because with throughout my journey, I've always worked in Manhattan. Like the Barnes and Noble was in it was oh, yeah. in Manhattan. Um, all my internship was in Manhattan. And I wanted a different like environment and also be back in my community. And also I want a better commute. But <laughs> um, but I think as growing up someone in the Bronx, I was one, I was like that odd child because I was like I was always reading I wasn't outside 
playing sports or um, on a bike and stuff, I was always reading. My parents always encouraged me in my reading and, and always taking me to the trip to uh, my local library, which was at the time, like growing up, Highbridge. Mm-hmm. And I was always taking the trip there. And it, 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 it's always important to, for me, for the Bronx, because the Bronx has very lacking of literary, like literacy resources. Like we don't, we don't have, we have, I want to say like two or three bookstores. Yeah. The, the last bookstore in the Bronx that, that was Barnes and Nobles that left. And we don't have a lot of um, stuff promoting literacy. We just have our libraries. So I think it's really important to have like people who really understand that and appreciate that to make sure that the community realize, okay, hey, we have this stuff. Like, yes, Amazon is great, but sometimes Amazon doesn't fulfill all your needs you have you want some personal touch you want someone who can like um give you great recommendations you have these libraries that are able to do that and i always try to input that into my work fantastic that was beautifully said that's so true i mean i when you were talking i was i always think about and karen knows this this was one of the first things i talked to her about when i met her which is like what are libraries like what are they tomorrow what were they yesterday what are they gonna be and always trying to figure out like where our special, you know, power is. And I, I do always come back to the, the idea of place and sanctuary and safety and literacy and, you know, an environment where everyone's welcome and everyone's sharing. And it's just so important to me, you know, to take a, to take that journey, like to to go out of your normal spaces, come to another space to find something that can add value to your life, like a book. Karen, like, so your career is is developing, and what do you what do you think if you ever became like a in charge or anything like that? Like, what do you have any visions that you would like to implement? Like, what you believe you want to put what you want to make the library like Tabrizia was talking about? Yeah, I mean, well, the branch that I'm working in is in a very sort of odd neighborhood at the moment. Um, So I'm at the New Amsterdam branch, which is like on the cusp of Tribeca and the financial district and like the financial district, especially and Tribeca, not so much now, but um, really isn't like a residential Um, place. So community means something very different here. Um, Before I came here, before the pandemic, we served a lot of workers primarily who would come on their lunch break, mostly just to pick up holds. Like I think New Amsterdam, even though we're one of the smallest branches, had like one of the largest circulation numbers in the system, just like based on like office workers picking up their holds on lunch break. Um, But since the pandemic, the whole um, dynamic of the neighborhood has changed. Um, A lot of people are still working from home or there's less jobs down here. And um, we just don't have the lunch rush anymore. Um, And it's like slowly creeping into becoming more of a residential Mm -hmm. um, area on one hand. Yes. But on one hand, also slowly and no, I would say maybe not necessarily permanent residents either, because if you could afford to live down here, you are probably a very wealthy person and may not spend your whole time in New York city, um, or this might not be like your home base necessarily. So uh, right now, new Amsterdam, I would say is sort of kind of figuring out how to best serve this like community that is now emerging. Um, You know, maybe our space kind of is a little bit better suited for being kind of like a more grab and go uh, transient place because we are pretty small. Um, But definitely our children's programming, um, I think is now more popular than ever. And I think it's very important for us to get um, more like integrated with the different um, like cultural institutions that are down here. Um, like I've been really into local history, which, um, this is probably like one of the most historic, right? It's like the oldest neighborhood in New York city. And there was just no, um, local history collection down here. So that's one thing that I've already implemented by pillaging Frank's, um, 
New York collection <laughs> and bringing it over here. Um, and also uh, sometimes, you know, I do the, it's not frowned upon, but not necessarily encourage it. I don't encourage any librarian to do this either, but if I'm out and I see a cheap book on, you know, the history of lower Manhattan or a beautiful picture book of Manhattan or something that's cheap, you know, I may rub my pennies together and make it appear here also somehow. Um, so I, would, I guess I would answer that by saying, uh, you know, trying to recognize do a better job at recognizing what parts of the community are already using the library and doing a better job on taking advantage of what has been here, exposing people to the history of the neighborhood and getting a little bit more out into what is here in the community. Nice, thank you. I look forward to helping you if I can, <laughs> continuing to help you. Yeah, I'm enjoying you. So, where are we? What about, do you think we should, and see, now I'm very interested, I have to say, Crystal, is you have another question about Tabrizia, since you just touted her up as this crazy, you know, voluminous reader. I'm sort of dying to know what passage she's going to read for us to guess. Karen, you should jump in, too, unless you know. Do you know what Tabrizia's going to read? No, I, I tried to ask her, but she did. I asked her yesterday, but she answered without giving me the title, so... Good. <laughs> I have a feeling if since like Karen and I we like know each other so well, I have a feeling she's gonna know. Oh. I mean, I I know where to place my guesses. On <laughs> oh, all right. Well, all right. Then let's do this. When Tabrija reads her thing, Karen, if you know it, just indicate you do, and I don't, then yeah. don't guess because I want to see if I can figure it out. Okay. Do you want to do that? Do you do you want to? Can we hear your? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Um, how much should I just? I, I, I should. Whenever you're like a, you know, paragraph, okay. a short paragraph, just what you think gives us a taste of of something that you read. All right. Okay, my dear Frederick, you are talking quite idly. Pray, what would become of us poor sailors' wives who often want to be conveyed to one port or another? after our husbands, if everybody had your feelings. My feelings, you see, did not prevent my taking Mrs. Harville and all of her family to Plymouth. But I hate to hear you talking so like a fine gentleman and as if women were all fine ladies instead of rational creatures. We none of us expect to be in smooth water all our days. Ah, my dear, said the Admiral, when he had got a wife, he will sing a different tune. When he is married, if we have the good luck to live to another war, we shall see him do as you and I and a great many others have done. We shall have, have him very thankful to anybody that will bring him his wife. Wow, you do read a lot. Um, Crystal had his interesting smile on her face. My, uh, I don't think this is the right guess. The only thing that I thought of was persuasion, only because of the the ship boating thing. But I don't think that's the name of the the guy in persuasion. Jane Austen. Yeah. Is that right, Tabrizia? Yes, it is. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I've ever gotten anything right ever, ever. <laughs> Oh, so it's persuasion specifically? Hey, I know. <laughs> and that's only in my head because I watched that Netflix movie with what's her face, Dakota Johnson. Yeah. I didn't think that that was his name was Frederick. Was it Frederick? Um, it must be then. I think it was. But I don't think it was just Frederick. Yeah, it was. It was just that. Yeah, but I think it was. Yeah, but the reason oh. I chose it because it's Jane Austen's birthday. This oh. Friday, oh. So, yeah, it's uh, so I thought that was like nice to pay homage to Jane Austen. So, oh, is that your favorite uh, Jane Austen book, or is there? Other um, no, I, yeah, Karen's like, no, Karen's like, well. no. I, <laughs> I was like, favorite author, not her favorite book. <laughs> mm, okay, which one is your favorite? If you had to uh, rank Pride. all of them, <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, okay, Emma, okay, yes. Sense and Sensibility, mm -hmm. Persuasion, and, oh, wait, actually, sorry, Pride and Prejudice, 
Lady Susan. Yes. Yes. Emma. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sensibility. Uh, uh, Northanger Abbey and Mansfield Park. On this. Abbey. Oh, mm-hmm. Mansfield Park and then Northanger Abbey. Mm-hmm. Wow. You are, you really haven't thought about this, have you, Tabrizia? <laughs> yeah, I have. I, I, no. I feel like that's the sign of a true fan. If you put Lady Susan up there really high, I'm like, yes, that's true fandom right there. Really? And also you were, I could see your your body language and your face were thinking seriously, like, wait, wait, wait. Let me get the list right because this is important. What my Jane Austen list is, you know, I thought, I thought at first when maybe this is cynical, I was just like, that's with the, when you read your, the passage was that it was a self-consciously retro current, like romance, historical fiction that was trying to emulate Jane Austen. Uh, maybe I, was, I was being too meta or something, but I was, so if I had to guess, I was going to go down that road and then Crystal just cut right to it and said, Jane Austen, baby. <laughs> I was like, that was impressive, but infuriating because I like to get the ones. But good job, Crystal. You've got them all in the past. Right? So let them. me just have this one win. <laughs> See, if Karen loves it Karen's, me, I love yes. her, then I will get right. the one she's going to read, even though now she's like, not now. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, so yeah, I just have a paragraph that I will read right now. Uh, although the deadline was less than a quarter of an hour away, he was still working on his leader. He had gone as far as life is worthwhile, for it is full of dreams and peace, gentleness and ecstasy, and faith that burns like a clear white flame on a grim dark altar. But he found it impossible to continue. The letters were no longer funny. He could not go on finding the same joke funny 30 times a day for months on end. And on most days, he received more than 30 letters, all of them alike, stamped from the dough of suffering with a heart-shaped cookie knife. Wow. Sad. I mean, now I, now I, mm. let me just, this is so stupid. Let me just ask you, you did not pick, oh God, I'm so self-centered. You didn't pick this with me in mind or no you weren't uh, i it crossed my mind i mean it's kind of a hint if i say this yeah i may or may not have mentioned this book in a conversation okay. recently oh hints so are always gonna find good out how good of a listener frank is i know yeah, i mean mm. it's, yeah it's not too much of a hint for <laughs> you mentioned it to me recently yes hmm well, I don't really listen. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, the Jane Austen one was better because I <laughs> had more of an idea of what realm it was in. Crystal, do you have any idea? No. See, this is, writing seems to be important in this book. Mm. I mean, of Does course. Does that relate to the title in some way? Um, the title, the title refers to a person's job, which is what I was that the person was doing their job in this uh, passage that I read. So like a oh. post? I mean, I... Um, Wait. Um, What's that? I think I have the author. Who's the author? I, I think you've mentioned this, but I just don't have... Is it Faulkner? No. Oh, no. Is it... <laughs> didn't yeah, you, Charles Bukowski write some book that Mm, had to do with the post office. It's it not a post office. office. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a head, a newspaper. A newspaper. Yes. Oh wait, it's the head of a newspaper. Um, it someone writes an article for a newspaper, a very specific mm-hmm. column in a newspaper. Um, I remember. Do you I do. All right, now I remember because Karen did mention this to me. Is it Miss Lonely Hearts? It is Miss Lonely Hearts uh, by Nathaniel. Yeah, that was slightly okay. Well, the, the, see, any hints that make me get it are always welcome. We Karen and I talked about Nathaniel West, Day of the Locust, and you know how often that Day of the Locust and Miss Lonely Hearts are in one volume. At least it was when I was growing up. But you did not read Day of the Locust yet. I did. I finished yeah. it. Focus. Yeah, oh, I didn't right. watch you talked movie. about it versus the movie. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't watch the movie yet. Uh, it's not streaming, so I think I have to put on hold. But um, yeah, Miss Lonely Hearts is my book club book for um, 
the my branch book club, which is LMBC, Lower Manhattan Book Club. And all the books that I pick are books that um, take place at least in part in Lower Manhattan. So below Canal Street and um, the Battery. And so this one, it's a little bit vague, but he's a... Uh, Miss Lonely Hearts is actually a man who writes like a Dear Abby column and he just gets these like very depressing letters from people in the city who are just like writing these like absolutely like, you know, it's it's a very spiritual novel. It's almost like he's receiving like prayers from the downtrodden of the city and he kind of goes like crazy and um, it's a very sad, very dark novel, which I absolutely loved. See, that's where Karen and I bonded. The, w over suffering, exactly. I mean the and existential um, confusion. The the dough of suffering with a heart shaped cookie knife, like I, that line is just so good. We would sometimes huddle together in the library during our break and say, "Why are we here?" Oh yeah, just cry. Why is life the way it is? <laughs> and then we go take a desk. And serve the public. Look, when Karen um, told I'm me, so okay. I'm yeah, glad when I Karen told me yesterday, like, oh, it's going to be very dark, and I was like, oh, well, it's going to be Russian. No, I mean, I do say it's similar to Notes from the Underground, if you like Dostoevsky, very in that vein. That's what I thought you were going to read from. I was like, it's going to be Tolstoy or Dostoevsky. I was like, it's going to be Russian. And then when you first read it, I was like, hey, is it that book We by the name that I cannot pronounce? Oh, that yeah, the yeah. sci-fi book. Yeah. yeah, the sci-fi book that only two of us like out of our book club. Yeah. Which book? <laughs> actually american written in like i want to say the 30s oh Wait, which book did you say tabrizia uh we by and karen's the only one who can say oh I, I don't think i could pronounce it but um it's a uh, it's just called lee w-e oh Zamyatin. oh yeah we, we remember i bought we we talked about that we didn't i didn't read it but we talked about that when i was at battery park um because I know, no, somebody had, rec uh, rec no, you recommended it to a patron who was interested in sci-fi. Oh. Uh, when we were doing the um, book bundles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab and go. Mm -hmm. And I went on and got some copies. Um, yeah, I, I would not, I was thinking like you, Tabrizia, because I, I know, I thought maybe that's why I said out of a memory of love, she would have done a thing from Anna Karenina, but clearly that experience didn't impact her as much as it did. Uh, moving on from Tolstoy. <laughs> she knows how to stab a person in the heart. And then I thought of uh, Mishima, of course, and then mm -hmm. I realized, well, it's not always about you, Frank. What a surprise. And then when I realized that, I was like, Miss Lonely Hearts. Because <laughs> you did mention it to the last time I saw you. It's so good. You should read it. Nathaniel West is sort of like a, it was sort of a standard when I was very young, like in school, sort of, but I think he sort of worked his way out of the canon, so-called, and I think he should be rediscovered, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I had never, honestly, I got him confused with the other Nathaniel. I know you read one of his Hawthorne, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, like uh, House of Seven Gables. I thought this was going to be like Pilgrim stuff, you know, but um, it's very, like, somewhat modern. I would say the stories are a little bit old-fashioned, like, there's just, I don't know, there's, like, a woman who's supposed to symbolize, like, a lot of old-fashioned ideals, I would say, or, like, you fix your life in, like, a, with a domestic situation is always kind of hinted at, but um, mm -hmm. the writing is just so good, and he, I think he wrote a lot more screenplays, which I think makes his books into very good movies. So definitely would recommend. Cool. Thank you. Oh, that was fun. So we each got one, Crystal. <laughs> She's like, not that we're counting. <laughs> oh, cool. We're, we're booking along. So right now we can do what you guys do best, which is book recommendations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Tabrizia, you're all over the place. Do you, I mean, do you read like across genre across time i mean you seem to i mean across space across physics yes she does all yeah. of that she's I like i read in the fourth dimension <laughs> yeah, she's interdimensional she's like i read jane austen the fourth dimension that's my preference <laughs> yeah no because like i karen and crystal know this like they've seen me um and i i will read as much as i can um i will read 
my favorite genre is mystery and thrillers, but, um, and I will just read as much as that. And then I will also, I also love classics. Like anytime Karen recommends a classic, I'm like, okay, great. Thank you for letting me that add it to my shelf. Um, and, and that's my favorite thing to read. And I also like reading contemporary. Try not to read as much contemporary because sometimes it can be reflection of the world and it's sometimes can be depressing at times but um and but uh, and I also read like comics and and, and manga it, I, I just read anything that if it has anything like it interests to me that I, I will read it the one genre I probably will not read is science fiction only with some exceptions like we was it was a classic, so I read it, and it was, and I was surprised, and it was really good. Um, but there are times where, if you put like something that's like a a space opera or something like Star Wars, I will blow my head off. I was like, no, this is this is horrible. Like, I do not get it. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, so that's yeah. a great point because it's science fiction. Like, I just I read the Anomaly, which is a French novel, which is technically science fiction elements to it, but it's really literary fiction and psychological um, insight, which is the only way I can read it. Like I was telling Crystal at that episode, like like watching the Matrix, like everybody was obsessed with the Matrix and all that, and I, I, the movie, and I was like, literally, like, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand this movie. Like everyone, when it was over, the friends I were with were like, oh my God, that was great. And I was like, <sighs> I just didn't get it. I got an, I so I don't have a head either for science fiction. I need that human element to pull me in, like a strong human element. Um, I can't enjoy the sort of pyrotechnics and machinery of it. I just don't get it. So I hear you, kid. So what are you going to recommend? What's a what's a first book off the top of your head? Either like a book you love or a best of the year or whatever whatever first one you want. Because I think we have time for a couple actually. Yeah. Um. So like Crystal said, I do have a list. It's, it was hard. <laughs> it was really hard. And this, this is not complete. Um, so I'm going to name a couple. Um, so I'm going to start with like some YA ones. So most recently, I read Five Survive by Holly Jackson. That is the latest book from the, um, from the author of the best-selling series, A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. I absolutely love that series, and I was so excited for Five Survive. It's where a group of teens, they're finding themselves enclosed in an RV with a sniper, and the sniper is demanding that one of them has a secret, and if they don't reveal what that secret is, that they will all be killed. So it is like a very, a very interesting locked room thriller very intense psychological just like that perfect holly jackson magic that she provides and i absolutely love it um the next one is monsters born and made by tanvi brava and even though this is like one of like a fantasy kind of another genre that i don't always read but i really like this one because i like to say if you like the hunger games you'll like this one or you if you don't like the hunger games like i didn't like the hunger games i hated the hunger games you'll definitely like this one because <laughs> it was like a much better world building so this young girl coral she has she cons her way into this like great race a game where it pits like children in order to they write like Maristags, they call them in the book. It's kind of like a a Capricorn like um, um, animal where they um, have to race these in this great race where they win money, and she wants to win the money in order for her younger sister to. She has severe asthma, and so she can have an operation. So, and it really dives in to a lot of mental health issues and the the caste system in India. It, it just like, it's an amazing book. And it's just like, so like inspirational and the author is writing book two and I cannot wait to read it. Um, I will just 
name one more so I can have let Karen to speak because I can be here all day. Um, <laughs> um, the Binding Room by Nadine Matheson. So this is a sequel to Pixar Man, which was NYPL's best book of 2021 last year. And where we find Inspector Angelica Henley, she is um, trying to um, find the kill a killer of this um, of the of this victim of a, like a, a pastor. He's like bound in this in this church and it's like in a creepy way. And then he she finds another victim who's like in this weird kind of spiritual kind of ritual cult. And she's trying to figure out why are these people found in this in these rooms, or what they're calling binding rooms, where and um, and still like dealing with a lot of like religion and thoughts of religion and racism. And it's just like Nadine Matheson is a mystery writer that everyone needs to watch. She just writes such great mystery thrillers, and this one was by far so good, much better than the first one. So yeah, those are my recommendations. Wow. I could listen to you talk all day. You're, <laughs> you're sort of mesmerizing because you know you're, you have opinions. Actually, the first book you talked about, Five, five Survive, what is it? Five mm -hmm. Five Survive. <laughs> Did you read by any chance, see, this is what talking about books does, I think. Did you read, it's 10 years old at this point, but the book called The Bunker Diary? No. By Kevin Brooks? No. Mm -mm. It reminded me because it's basically these teens are wake up in a bunker underground and don't know why they're there. Like it's the like your premise of uh, they're in the car and they don't they one will die if they don't like it's sort of trapped thriller. What do they call those closed door thrillers? Locked, locked room thrillers. Locked room thrillers. See, I knew you'd know. Um, uh, it's such as I recommend it, but it's I, I want to know what you thought because it it's been it was well-received, but it was also um, controversial for its extremely, what, dark take. Makes me almost feel like crying now. So powerful. Anyway. Yeah, I think it's now, like, with a lot of what I'm finding with a lot of YA thrillers, they're becoming a lot darker than it was, like, in the past. Because I feel like if it was in the past, like years back people were like no this is adult but i think with the um success of i mean i don't understand it the success because i didn't like it one of us is lying um but also a good um a good girl's guide to murder and like and a lot of increase in true crime podcasts i think you've seen a lot of wild thrillers that are becoming darker and a little bit violent and this and five survive is violent it can and, and it is a little bit bloody i would probably recommend it for readers 16 and up but it is it is still a very great book holly jackson knocks it out of the park she just like it is she's a great writer and she did a wonderful job with this one great thank you miss loader well, I have a not dark book to suggest. Um, well, with a somewhat dark title. Um, so I helped out actually before I get into that. So I helped out with the the best fiction list that came out for the New York Public Library this year. Um, and like to be completely honest, I usually steer away from like stuff that are is published. Like, like I don't read the newest books usually. I usually you know crawl into my deep dark corners and read my sad, depressing uh, literary fiction. But, That's um, how you get along. Exactly. <laughs> and so this year I got a little bit out of my comfort zone and read a bunch of stuff that came out this year. Um, but uh, in sort of a other strategic way for me, I mostly just focus on things that I like. Uh, so I read a lot of translated Japanese literature that came out this year, which is um, you know, I kind of split my reading between like New York City books and Japan. Um, so two sides of the globe, at least with a lot missing in the middle. Um, and the best uh, 
So uh, two of my recommendations were put on the list. One was Vladimir, which I know you guys talked about um, already on the podcast. I really loved that book. That was like probably one of my favorite books that came out. It's definitely my favorite book that came out this year. And Mm. one of my favorite books that I read this year, like by far. Um, Another one that I really liked was Diary of a Boy by Emi Yagi. Uh, it is a translated book, um, translated by David Boyd and Lucy North. I know David Boyd, um, a lot of the books that he translates are really good translations. And this one is like, honestly, one of the best um, translated like Japanese fiction that I've read like ever, um, mostly just because it's like, actually funny. Like a lot of times, um, you know, when I'm reading, I think everyone sort of feels a disconnect a little bit when they read a translated book. Um, I don't sometimes there's something missing, particularly when it comes to humor a lot of times. And um, especially the books that are translated into English um, and that get very popular in America um, from Japan are often focused on very like socially awkward characters. Um, and it sort of has like a very standoffish uh, narration and it just has a very peculiar like voice to it, I think, which, you know, I really like, um, like a uh, convenience store woman. I really like that book. Um, but it gets a little bit like repetitive when you keep on sort of reading um, similar characters and sort of that distance from like the, the writer and the reader. But um, Diary of a Void, um, also about a tr- sort of um, so not necessarily socially outcast, but a very lonely woman who is working in Japan. She is single. She lives by herself and she works um, at a, in an office for a business that um, makes like the, the paper rolls that goes like, like a toilet paper, just specifically like the cardboard roll that would go um, in toilet paper. And you know, she's treated um, very typically um, as women are treated in the office in Japan. She's making the tea for everyone. She's very like subservient to a lot of her coworkers there until one day she just like declares, you know, what? I can't do that. I'm pregnant and the smell makes me feel sick. Um, but the joke is she's actually not pregnant. She just said it. So um, she sort of keeps up this uh, shtick for nine months. Um, until she gives birth to a fake baby that doesn't exist. Um, so this book sort of um, follows her progress through her fake pregnancy, I think by the weeks, I want to say. Mm. Um, and it's sort of just, she keeps on going with the lie. You know, she goes on um, maternity leave and she has more time to herself. And just sort of this break from the office and um joining a community of mothers who are actually pregnant. Like she goes to a mommy aerobics class at her gym and she finds a community. She makes friends and really connects with people, even though this whole time she's lying. Um, I don't, it's just a very great book that I think sort of points out uh, the ways that community really helps individuals find meaning in their life and how much, um, you know, modern society just to say something grand uh, really sort of alienates us from each other and, um, you know, could get in the way and lead to a lot of loneliness. Um, so this one actually, you know, there's no resolution at the end because, you know, at the end of the day, she is lying and she doesn't have a baby. Um, so, you know, what the resolution at the end is, who knows, that's debatable, but um, it's still a very good book and I really enjoyed this hmm. one. Um, and just, I thought it's really cool too. Like Diary of a Void, like, oh my God, I just love the title. And actually, um, I think it was in here somewhere, but uh, yeah, the the title actually comes, it's like a pun. Um, so every pregnant mother, mother in Japan gets like a book, um, maternal and child health handbook. Um, and the way that you pronounce it in Japanese, if you just change, um, like, uh, you know, one word in it, it would translate to like diary of a void as opposed to like diary of a mother's um, pregnancy. So I don't know. This is a very poetic touch on top of a very good book. So definitely recommend this one. Okay. We're going to list the books in the blog post. The producer will do that. So if anyone's missing the titles, we'll have all of Tabrizia and Karen's books listed. Did, Did you have another one? I do have another one. Uh, I mean, this was just 
I was thinking, because also I have a display at work of the best books that all the staff read for the year. Um, my favorite book that I read for the book club this year is The Bonfire of the Van- Vanities by Tom Wolfe. Um, I've never read Tom Wolfe before. Uh, this one, I think, is probably maybe one of his most well-known ones. But this one takes place partly... The one of the main characters works in the financial district. He works on Wall Street. So that's why we read it for the book club. And this book was like such a sleeper hit. I mean, it's from the 80s. So I think it's been some time, you know, it had its really big moment. And then I guess it fell a little bit out of fashion. I mean, I remember I was a person when it came out and you weren't even born yet. I I mean, it was like the it was it wasn't a sleeper. It was anticipated as being the apotheosis of the yuppie culture and like that sort of 80s thing and it was very much of the time because i was alive and a, yeah, yeah, yeah. well so, now i'm saying it's sleeper because i, I right. had no idea that it's like you know it had this big moment and then yeah. I, it fell and now i think enough time has passed that we should all go back to it and be like yeah this book still rocks okay i was gonna ask you like what like a person of your age you know and not having been through the 80s what you thought the book if it still held up and I guess it does. Oh, I definitely think so. And, you know, I think it's really, it's a cool book for me personally too, because um, one of the characters is a lawyer who works in the Bronx and he works at the courthouse. Um, that's right um, off of the 161st train station at um, on the Ford train. And I rode the same train that he rides there I mean, reading his experience on the subway is uh, interesting. He has a part where he wears, um, he specifically wears running shoes on the subway and he carries his office shoes in a plastic bag just in case he has to run away from someone who might mug him. Um, Which, you know, like, I don't think it's that level at all on the subway, but um, just sort of the echoes, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear like a, someone in the library say something or see something in the post saying that like don't wear your leather shoes on the subway or something um and just sort of how it cycles sort of back um all the crazy new york things i'm not sure but um and just the way that he describes the city like i could so vividly see the subway station and the way that the the lawyers who work at the court are I kind of think of it as like a lion pit, like they're safe in their courthouse, but the second, like they won't even go out for lunch because they feel um, so afraid and just this fear between different parts of the city, um, you know, the chance that getting lost in the Bronx might like totally ruin your life one day um, is, I don't think it's that extreme, but there's still like, at the end of the day, there's still a ton of disparity in New York. And I think this, you know, a little bit more extreme. I think ours might be in some ways a little bit more subtle um, because, you know, uh, I, there's no part of the city I would necessarily feel unsafe walking in, I guess, during the day. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a very good book. This one's kind of hard to talk. There's just so much in this book. Like uh, Diary of a Void is a very concise book. Like this, its job was to encompass the 80s in New York. So there's just so much to talk about. But good. Everyone in my book club hated all the characters in like a fun, excited way. But I think um, even though you're supposed to hate them, he uh, Wolf treats them very compassionately, which I think is great. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, about well, but getting lost. I remember because I started in the Bronx. It was funny. Um, go. I remember I had a, it's one of my biggest memories because I was so mad that I didn't. I didn't surmount this obstacle. The Manhattan is that is the grid, you know, except down in the village, of course, the grid set up. And I, you know, worked in the Bronx and I had a meeting at Sedgwick and I got so lost. I had no idea where I was going. And I was so surprised because um, Manhattan is so flat. Sedgwick, if I remember correctly, seemed very hilly. Oh, yeah. There's and I was like, what is this like little bucolic village almost? It was like, I remember like a wall with like a park or I don't, yeah. and I was just, it was amazing. But I was like, I could not figure out where I was. I, I did not make that meeting, which is one of the very few I didn't meet. I mean, I've been to Throg's Neck and all over, but I, I mean, well, actually I actually remember going to Throg's Neck, walking through like knee deep snow when I made it, but Cedric, I got lost. <laughs> it's like a, like the South Bronx is very hilly. 
it's just like there's a lot of rocks and stuff there um where i grew up there's um by anderson avenue there's a hill i hated walking up that hill when i was a kid because i call it the hill of death because it was just so steep and i was so tired um but you had to especially if the bus never came because the bus that would go into the high bridge area wasn't reliable so sometimes you would have to walk and it was just like it's like someone wanted to like they just hated you they're like yeah let's just walk by this hill and then then you have the steps um you have the steps by 176 yeah yeah steps like 167 it's like you have all these steps and you're like and there's like steps in riverdale and i'm like oh my god what is someone did not construct the bronx very well because there's freaking hills and steps <laughs> it's like it, it, it's so it's city is sort of amazing with its boroughs they're very unique like that was an education to me because the the Bronx, almost the natural world is much more present than it is in Manhattan, which is like flat. You don't, you know, you see parks, but it's the Bronx has more nature happening or like in terms of its topography and stuff like that. I mean, didn't Highbridge also have not a fake park, but like a park built on something? Yeah. Rocks. And then I oh, think rocks. So it's, it, yeah. is, it is real. <laughs> So yeah, because yeah, I remember it's like a promontory or it's like a yeah. Uh. And then, um, and then when they like when they built the new stadium, it took out a lot of stuff. And there's I think there's still like some parks, but like that native, they still have like the park rocks. And then um, you go up the hill by High Bridge. You got like they, I think they put a promenade that's owned by the church. I um I I don't remember that but it it was like very it's a beautiful borough but it's just one one word comes to mind hills you will encounter a hill <laughs> what you don't expect it's like when talking like about. east to west too that's also hard <laughs> no we're gonna have a discussion about mta like though yes. <laughs> <laughs> the street like you think oh but why not east to west? Yeah. <laughs> well, the listeners will definitely get a little education on New York's, the wild and wacky world of New York City because of it's so interesting. I mean, let's not even start on Staten Island, which I love visiting, which is also like the natural world. Like you can go to a beach and Lord knows you wouldn't think you were in New York City. I've been to Staten Island five times of my life. That's a lot. <laughs> For library for probably probably library work, right? Um, one time for library work, one time for a concert, um, and the, and the last time was because there was a British store that finally opened, and it was in Staten Island. So I went to Staten Island. So a British um, store? Yeah, it, Karen knows the store. Um, <laughs> it's called Primart, and I love that store so much they're opening new locations the latest one they opened was in brooklyn and yeah that was what do they sell they're so close oh it's close because yeah. there's a british um in the village there's a british grocery store tea and sympathy no well there's another one i can't remember the Myers and Keswick. yes love it yeah Karen, I love you, but Teresa, like, for a personality like mine, commands a sort of like, I'm like in awe. She seems like you give me the sense that you know just about anything I could mention, and you seem to come through with that, which is a very like in, wide ranging skill to have because I somehow knew you'd know, but you're right. Um, yes. So we could go on forever, I think. I think. <laughs> If they ever like kick uh, Crystal and me to the curb, which might happen at some point, you guys should take over the podcast. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> I can see. I can see. Oh, as the audience cheers, please. <laughs> uh, oh, the producer has emerged from her little nasal congestion coffee slumber. Our producer's not feeling well. Her hut. Because I would have said her hut. 
Well, we, we are going to sign off now, but thank you to Bridget Jones, Karen Loader. It's a pleasure to talk to you again, Karen, and to meet you really officially, Tabrija, and thank you for the recommendations. Again, we'll have them listed on the blog post. It was, a, it was a learning experience and a pleasurable one for me. So thank you so much for being in. The librarian is in. <laughs> Thanks for having thank you. us. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Librarian is In, a podcast by the New York Public Library. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play, or send us an email at podcasts at nypl.org. For more information about the New York Public Library, please visit nypl.org. We are produced by Christine Farrell. Your hosts are Frank Hilarious and Crystal Chen.